And I was like, what 13-year-old girl who has just met this total stranger in the middle of the Japanese countryside is going to talk about her boobs to him? And I was like, man, what is going on? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Spill It. Hi, I'm Senthil, the host of this podcast. This month's theme is mystery. Mystery is kind of an odd bag to describe because you could have a really, I would say, avant-garde mystery that doesn't end in a satisfactory way where not all the loose ends are tied or where the author becomes more explorative is that how you say it explorative i don't know if that's i don't know if i'm saying that right with the genre or you can have something really simple fun exciting that is actually so straightforward that a toddler could figure it out not actually a toddler but you would enjoy it regardless of that fact so i don't know how to feel about mysteries i used to love mysteries trying to figure out who the killer was and kind of guess my way to the ending most of the time and that kind of got old really quickly for me i don't know if everyone else feels the same so the type of mysteries that i'm reading this month are very diverse i would say not all of them are traditional mysteries um but they are i would say interesting in terms of the genre i also feel like the books this month will kind of establish my taste in the mystery genre again because after i started this before i started this podcast and after i started this podcast there's a clear division of the books that i like and the books that i read and consider worthwhile quotation marks so it'll be interesting to see how my mystery tastes have changed especially because mysteries i would say are the most air airport airport genre novel that you can find they're fun you could finish it on an airplane and be entertained the whole way through not to say that other books aren't fun to read on airplanes but i find that the most common ones that you would find in an airport bookshop would be mysteries so i'm looking forward to it and i hope you are too so let's get into the books for this month mystery of the month is Lost Hills by Lee Goldberg. It is set in Los Angeles and follows this detective named Eve Ronin who recently got a big promotion from I think robberies to the homicide division in the sheriff's department because she arrested this celebrity who was uh physically assaulting a woman and it went viral online because someone recorded it and so 
the department wanted some good press, so they promoted Eve Ronin, and with this promotion, she gets given a investigation surrounding the disappearance of these two kids, a dog and a mother, uh, from this really horrific crime scene in their house. And so she's tasked with finding the family and figuring out what happened in the house. It's a really simple cookie-cutter detective story. It does have some very interesting themes that I think are important, like how Eve Ronan has to kind of accept her fame as this hero in real life, which comes with its disadvantages, as well as the almost, I would say, disregard of her colleagues because she was promoted for the arrest rather than wait how many years that it would have been for a woman to get into the detective homicide department. Eve Ronin is a pretty good girl boss while also displaying character flaws and all of those more realistic parts of being a girl boss. I rated it 3 out of 5 because it was boring, I would say. It was interesting but also boring at the same time. I was interested in who was the murderer and why all of those very fascinating things happened, but I wasn't really, you know, like, if I had to only read a thousand books before I die, I don't think I would want to read this one because, like, I've read so many mysteries and it's not exactly anything new. That's all I have to say. So that's why I rated it 3 out of 5. I think it would be a 4 out of 5 in terms of just being more objective on it. So you can kind of take what you want from it. If you want a stereotypical cookie cutter crime novel that's going to be like exciting with a mystery that you can kind of figure out then yes go for it if you want something a little bit more unique a little bit more strange kind of not the things that you would expect in a normal crime novel then I don't think that this is for you it's also around 200 pages so I don't know, it could be the fact that there wasn't really much pages to kind of go through like anything major or interesting. And with that, let me read the first sentence of Lost Hills. The northern stretch of the Mulholland Highway ended in a T-section with Mulholland Drive. Not the best sentence to start with, I'd have to admit. Then in a total 180 degree turn in which we reverse the car and go back the other way, we have Killing Commendatore by Haruki Murakami. This novel follows the story of a 30-something-year-old man whose name is never mentioned in the entire novel. If you find it, please tell me, because I was 
utterly aggravated through the novel trying to find this man's name but I have a feeling that Murakami just left it out and that really creeps me out a little bit but at the same time I can appreciate it so if you decide to read the novel please tell me if you can find his name for now he is just a 30 something year old man and this 30 something year old man has just been divorced by his wife of six years and it leaves him utterly confused, aimless and lonely. As a result of this he decides to take this really weird road trip. I would more describe it as the road trip of sadness because the scenes and the experiences he has on this road trip is quite melancholic and strange to say the least and it ends with him taking up residence at a famous Japanese artist's home in the middle of the countryside. There aren't many houses there and he gets a job working at the community center teaching students art how to draw, stuff like that. At the same time, the house that he is living in is a very mysterious place. The history of the artist who lived there is very mysterious, especially when this 30-something-year-old man finds a painting hidden in the attic and starts hearing weird ringing sounds in the forest. And so... He tries to unravel the mysteries of both the artist and the mysterious place that he lives in. Why I say that this novel is a complete 180 degree turn from Lost Hills is because it is not a typical mystery. It is put under the category of magical realism, so there are a lot of strange circumstances and coincidences that are woven into the novel with magic and mysterious creatures and mysterious people that do very strange things. So I would describe it as more mysterious than a mystery despite the fact that it has many mystery elements to it because when you read the novel it feels more that you're trying to just go along this journey with this sad lonely artist rather than trying to figure out things. It is interesting to get into because it is in first person which is why Murakami was able to get away with the fact that the name of the main protagonist is never brought up. So it reads kind of like, I would say, a personal journal at the beginning of the novel, just getting used to the fact that it's not written in third person, which is more common nowadays. Then the mystery of the novel feels more like, I would describe not to be creepy or anything 
it's almost like the mystery of the novel is you walking alone at night, which is terrifying. And you know someone is following you, but every time you turn around, there's no one there. That's how I would describe describe the mystery of the novel and the intrigue of it rather than a typical someone's dead let's figure out why and there is a very I would say niche appeal to it also because the book is very slow paced and very very long it's like 670 pages it is a chore to get through if you do not like slow paced novels so that's one of the I would say warning signs about the book then the other very prominent warning signs is Murakami has a weird obsession with boobs I do not want to come onto this podcast and speak about boobs okay but I feel like it's so important because like nobody told me when they were like hyping up Murakami how much this man likes boobs. I have boobs and I don't think about them as much as I've been forced to think about them in this novel. There is a specific incidence in the novel where this 13 something year old girl brings up the topic of boobs to this 30 year old something man and I was like what 13 year old girl who has just met this total stranger in the middle of the Japanese countryside is gonna talk about her boobs to him and I was like man what is going on and I was like this is so 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 weird and kind of nasty And one of the YouTubers that I was watching said, this man is horny. And I was like, huh, why would you use that word? I'm sure there's another word that you you would use to describe it. But no, she was right. She was right. So if you're going to go into this book, please keep that in mind. Moving on from the topic that I never want to speak about on a podcast ever again with the hopes that this podcast episode is not going to be labeled as explicit or taken down by Anchor. The novel is actually really interesting, but that's based on the fact that I really enjoy stuff like The Fellowship of the Ring, which is also very slow-paced and a long, long journey to get through. So... If slow-paced novels are not your thing, then this is definitely not the first place to start slow-paced novels because it is 670 pages, like I've said before. But if you are more experienced in slow-paced novels, you're looking for something a little bit weird, excluding the boob stuff, um, a little bit interesting, a little bit diverse from the mystery genre, then I would recommend it. The mystery is very enticing. I was never bored throughout the entire novel. There was always something interesting going on, something fascinating. I think I have an interest in reading more of Murakami's books 
If any of you have read any of his books that have less references of boobs, then I would love, I would love to try them. I think the book has encouraged me to try out more magical realism. I think I've only read two books like this one before, and this one is the second one. But overall, I would say it's a four out of five if you ignore the never speak about this topic ever again part and a three out of five if we include the never speak about this topic again part moving on to the first line of the novel because that is definitely one i want to do right now is move on and go and hide in a hole somewhere so that i never have to think about the shame of coming onto a public platform and saying the word boobs multiple times Okay, let me just try and find the first sentence. Oh, there it is. Today when I awoke from a nap, the faceless man was there before me. Definitely on the creepy side. I don't know how you guys will feel about this novel. I definitely have lots of mixed feelings. Next, we have The Mystery of Edwin Druid by Charles Dickens. It is the first Charles Dickens that I have read, and probably will be the last Charles Dickens that I read. Half the novel follows the story of Edwin Druid, who has recently separated from his long-term fiancé after they both decide that they'd rather be brother and sister, friends, than continue as husband and wife and a couple days after this happens Edwin Druid goes missing and the mystery part of this novel is about the number of mysterious individuals and circumstances that surround um, Edwin Druid like for example his uncle not he, his uncle is not old old but his uncle is in love with his fiance and like obsessively in love with his fiance and so there's this kind of inkling you get oh it could be the uncle because the uncle wanted to marry this woman but there's also some uh points in the novel that you can read yourself where you're like oh so it can't be him and there's like many mysterious characters that come through the novel that you think every single one of these people could be the killer it's kind of like a mystery on the orient express kind of feeling if i could say so i want to read murder on the orient express but i have watched the movie so i'm just using it as an analogy then the other half of the novel is just a bunch of charles dickens short stories um that he or people have accumulated into the novel. I also want to say that the mystery is not complete. It is an incomplete mystery because it is the last piece of writing that Edward, I was going to say Edwin Druid, that Charles Dickens was writing before he died. And so you never find out who the murderer is. That is also one of the reasons why I don't like the novel because I really, really want to know who it is. And I'll never know. That is extremely unsatisfying. Also because I really struggled to get into the novel because 
it almost felt like a translated novel. I was reading it, but I didn't understand how things were happening from sentence to sentence. So I was like reading a page and I was like, okay, this is generally happening. Um, so it felt like I was reading in a second language. So I wouldn't say this is a very accessible writing style for people who are reading more modern books I definitely don't think that this is the place to start if you want to read classics and I also just generally didn't enjoy the stories because I didn't understand it and because I felt like I haven't read the mystery of Edwin Druid I just generally read a summary of it and so I couldn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy reading it. I didn't enjoy thinking about it. The only thing that the novel was really good at was this one one scene. One scene where Edwin Druid's uncle confronts the fiancé after Edwin Druid has gone missing. And she is terrified of him. And he's just spouting these these absolutely romantic lines but it's also terrifying at the same time and the way that Charles Dickens wrote that scene is just absolutely impeccable and I gave one star to just that scene because of how absolutely heart-wrenching it is to read about and so in summary it was two out of five for me I just didn't like it it was just not my thing so moving on, let's just read the first sentence of this book. Let's hope I understand what's going on. Okay. An ancient English cathedral tower? Question mark. Uh, I'm so glad this is over. I never want to read that book again. I'm sorry, Charles Dickens. The next and significantly better novel, I would have to say, is The Silence of Bones by June Her. It's set in 1800s Korea in a city known as Joseon or modern Seoul. And it follows the story of the 16-year-old orphan named Seol who is working as a police damo and has to help the police with certain things as a servant and she has to help a, a famous detective solve the murder of a noblewoman. Now you may be wondering, Senthal, what is a Dummel? And I would love to tell you because it is so fascinating. So men in that time were not allowed to enter private female spaces unless there were close family members to that female living in those spaces. But also, they could not handle female corpses. And so the police had to hire Dalmors, who were a class of servants, to handle the corpses, to go and investigate in female, in female spaces, uh, take evidence from female spaces because they were just not allowed to go in there and I thought that that was such an interesting thing that I did not know that they had to hire female 
servants to do these sort of things because I did wonder how in 18th century Korea where Korea is still under such blatant sexism and bias where females are still seen as second-class citizens today how did that how did that correlate into them working for police in 18th century not actually 19th century is that 19th century 19th century korea i think and so so seoul has to do these things to aid this detective in finding who killed this noble woman I have a really soft spot for historical fiction, specifically mystery and historical fiction together. That is my kryptonite. It is my ultimate weakness. In my eyes, if you are writing a well-researched, detailed historical novel and you put some mystery in there and you publish it, You can do no wrong in my eyes. No wrong. None whatsoever. I will love every second of your novel and I will not say anything bad about it. Although the, I would say, the presentation or the writing style is not on par with the concept itself and the delivery of the novel was a bit not as amazing as I would have liked. I still enjoyed the novel immensely. I gave it four out of five, especially because I could tell that June Ho really put work into researching and discovering the very intricate details of life in 1800s Korea, but also the political, social, and economic circumstances because there are these just little things that you can see in the novel that she knows every single thing that is happening at that time and has also woven the novel in such a way as to make it real and believable which is one of the biggest things about historical fiction that I think people get wrong. A good historical fiction should be believable And a lot of people like to make, I would say, make exceptions because of the sake of a modern audience. So you'd want this to happen because, oh, it just, it definitely should happen. Or they would revamp the historical aspects so that they could, you know, make it more acceptable to modern audiences and that means kind of almost cutting away some of the more harsher details the very upsetting parts about history that are 100% true for example damos are not treated well they are not treated like people some of the things that happen to seol because of who she is is a reflection of that time and there are some very harsh things that have that are being said to her and have been done to her so please take that in mind when you're reading historical novels that you can really tell that someone is putting the work in if you would think about things that wouldn't happen nowadays and these small little details where you think 
don't make much of a difference actually makes a lot of difference in the novel itself. And before I go on and praise praise this novel more than I should, and also I would like to say I'm very unhappy that it is not a series. I feel like there is so much potential in this concept, especially because most of most of the historical novels that people ri- like to read nowadays are centered around medieval Europe or about kings and queens and the western world I would say whereas this perfectly fascinating acceptable interesting things that were happening in Africa, Asia, even Australia, South America, even America. I have I like even North America. I don't even think I've read a what's it called a frontier novel as of yet or something written by an author about American independence. Why aren't we writing about what was happening during the American independence? I mean, surely there's something interesting you can find in those places in history, but the novels that we are getting don't feature those types of settings. So I would implore you guys to try and find books that are more outside of what's popular historical fiction because there are so many European historical fictions so many I've probably only read European historical fictions but there are so many other great ones out there that aren't but also remember that historical fiction is different from fantasy that is set in a past like setting so not those type of novels then moving on to the first sentence of the silence of bones the capital lay deep in stillness a very short introductory sentence then because i absolutely devoured the silence of bones in 3 days i was able to read a fifth book this month surprise everyone I did it. I read more than four books in a month. And that final book is The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. I did not enjoy this book, and I think that will surprise a lot of people because the way that Oscar Wilde writes is really accessible and really understandable. Uh, understandable is that a word? I I don't actually know. I was able to understand what was going on very clearly which is surprising for a classic but and there's always a but this book literally every conversation that the characters have involves some sort of belittlement and insult towards women and it's not men and women equally like Oscar Wilde hates women. I'm pretty sure. I'm 98% sure that Oscar Wilde hates women. Because in one point in the novel, and this is like dead true, the one of the characters says 
We may emancipate women, but they always want to be dominated. Like what? <laughs> what? And in case any of you are wondering, emancipation means like freedom, like giving women the right to vote, the right to say whatever they want. And I was like, excuse me. So every single conversation, like without fail, something about women doing something is brought up and it got on my nerves. I was like, no, can you just like not do this all the time? And I was like, I'm, I can't believe I have to read this book and have the characters just trash talk my gender the entire time. Like, please, I did not read this book for that reason. Then also, the synopsis of the novel is basically the downfall of this character called Dorian Gray after he meets these two people, a painter and a lord. I don't remember what the painter's name's called, but the lord's name is Lord Henry. And Dorian Gray meets these two friends and it follows the spiral downwards in in his moral state and social state downwards as a result of meeting those two people. But at the same time, how his own actions and choices cause his downfall at the same time. And there's a very morally grey setting for the novel. Their characters often say things that are very morally wrong or ambiguous and do things because they, I would say, are pessimists or don't believe in morality. And so there's a lot of discussions around that. But I found that the characters were just a bunch of men and some women who had nothing better to do with their lives and had no one to tell them to shut up. That's what I think. That's what I think. I wish I was there because, to be honest, the things that happened in this novel feel like just a bunch of men who have too much time on their hands and no one who is in their society that is higher than them to tell them to go and shut their face. That's all I think. And I also found that the, despite the fact that many people enjoy the novel because the characters are so terrible, I could not. I can hate a character and love them at the same time, but I did not have that relationship with the picture of Dorian Gray. No matter what they did or said, I just hated them to the core. And in fact, the fact that I hated every single character in this novel and every single moment of that is actually an achievement on Oscar Wilde's part. If you're a fan of morally ambiguous characters, characters that definitely do the most awful things, then this book is for you. It's also really short, if you think 270-something pages is short. I would say the pace is like medium paced and if you want to get into a classic I definitely think that the picture of Dorian Gray is the place to start. 
Then moving on to the first sentence of this novel. I actually don't know what it is. Let's see if I can find the page. Oh, there it is. The studio was filled with the rich odor of roses. And when the light summer wind stirred amidst the trees of the garden, they came through the open door and heavy scents of lilac or the delicate perfume of the pink flowering thorn. Quite a beautiful description. I would have to say that some of the descriptions in the novel are also very beautiful, but I still didn't like it. I gave it three out of five, which is actually pretty generous for how much trash I just spewed about it. But, you know, that's how it is. And that is all for this month. I hope that you guys enjoyed the mystery section. I find that most people enjoy mystery because it's kind of like a little tiny puzzle outside of your life that you get to solve. But I think that there is so much more to mystery than normal mystery. For example, incomplete mysteries like we saw in the mystery of Edwin Druid or something more mysterious than mystery like Haruki Murakami. Despite my trash talking of Haruki Murakami, I can't seem to forget the novel and the more I remember it, the more I enjoy it. So I think I might pick up Kafka on the Shore later because that's originally the book that I wanted to read. But anyway, thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoy... What month is it now? What's after September? October? Is it October? I hope you enjoy your October as you wait for my next book review. What theme will I choose next month? You'll have to wait to find out. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys.